The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we're lucky to have my friend, Mark Davis, all the way from Aspen, Colorado, to come and tell us about his brain. You're going to see what I mean in a little bit. Mark, welcome. Pleasure to be here. Some people who are going to be wondering why you're on different brains, but I'm going to tell them in a minute. But Mark, you're an entrepreneur, you're an attorney, you're a philanthropist, you're a lot of things. Introduce yourself to our audience so they know what you're about. What I'm about, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, I would say I, I attended a show um, with my daughter once that uh, where you had to, before you sat down, pick from a, a board of maybe 500 different things that define you. Uh, and I looked, I was, I was a lawyer, I was an entrepreneur, I was a real estate developer, but uh, the one card that I picked was father. Uh, and uh, I think that that's how I'd like to, to be defined uh, in simplicity. Well, tell us about your fatherhood. Well, I've been married twice. Um, my, my first wife, uh, lucky to have two daughters. Second wife, uh, who we've been married now for 35 years, um, have two more daughters, so I'm blessed with four girls uh, and have lived my whole life among nothing but women. Um, so it te teaches you a lot of patience to understand different brains because uh, you were exposed to them, to understand different languages because my wife is, uh, is also from Puerto Rico, so the primary language that was spoken in our home is is Spanish. Um, uh, I've uh, uh, loved being a father, um, uh, although the first time I think I was the one who needed the hospital bed instead of my wife when my first daughter was born. Uh, and um, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it comes as part of, I guess, my desire to be a teacher. Uh, and as I've gotten older, uh, hopefully gotten a little wiser, uh, being able to share my experience and, and whatever wisdom I've been able to, to uh, uh, collect over the years uh, with my children. One of the things that impresses me and one of the reasons I wanted you to share your knowledge and your habits with our Different Brains audience was your very methodical and systematic way of going about things. You know, around here, our, our interns can tell you that uh, I'll often, you know, say, oh, Hackey's rule of three and these ways we have of, you know, kind of simplifying things to get them done. But I notice in all of your work you do that you have a very systematic approach. So I was hoping maybe today you could break that down a little bit to share with our audience. When you have a task to do, how does it go? Well, the, um, my training as a lawyer, I think, has, uh, is, is, 
has been very helpful to me. Um, the one thing, if I'm asked, what is it that you really learn in law school? It's to learn how to think in a very organized and methodical way. It's also to find all of the support for whatever it is. Uh, talking about empirical evidence in the case of being uh, of the law, it's finding case law or, or statutes or regulations or whatever that support what it is uh, uh, that you're seeking to accomplish. Uh, and also don't support, because you need to understand both sides uh, of any argument. That's, that's one of, the, reason, one of the, the best things that I feel that uh, uh, law school prepared me for. Uh, and as I told a story earlier, uh, uh, a professor of mine when I was a freshman in college, um, uh, who I became very friendly with, was the one who told me he thought that I was born to be a lawyer. I, it was never in my thinking. Uh, I never had been exposed to lawyers other than watching Perry Mason. I'm dating myself right now, uh, which was an old television show with a, a lawyer who always made, you know, found a way to break the, uh, the person who was lying on the stand. Uh, but other than that, no, no exposure to the law or lawyers. And, um, uh, but uh, I took to the law immediately. It, again, it's a very methodical understand the problem, understand all of the evidence, if you will, that you need to gather in order to determine exactly what the scope of the problem is, what it is you want to accomplish, uh, and then marshal all of the assets that you have towards that goal. Um, uh, I am also extremely disciplined. Um, I guess the best example I give uh, when I was in law school, there's something called the Law Review, which is uh, uh, a very interesting fact that not many people know, that, but all of the major publications in the legal field are actually edited by students. Uh, and every law, law school has their own law review. Uh, one of the requirements uh, for someone who was put on the law review, which I was after my freshman year in law school, uh, is to write uh, two articles for potential publication. Uh, and uh, so the first one that I write, people usually take weeks and weeks and weeks to do all of the research, which I did. It took a long time to do the research. But when it came to doing the writing, uh, I started and didn't finish until 48 hours later. And the whole thing was written in those 48 hours. And, it annoyed me to have to even take a bathroom break because I just, when I got into that zone, it was just nothing, nothing penetrated uh, other than getting that job completed. And um, oftentimes when I'm writing, uh, which either emails or, or whatever it is that I'm writing, I will rewrite things 50, 100 times. And sometimes I'm ready to send that document or send that email and know that there was a comma missing, and I won't send it. I, I'll go back and re-edit it again. It, it, to me, I have to feel that I had done the very best I could possibly do before I'll release anything. Um, and uh, I don't know. Sometimes I think I have a certain degree of obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh, you do. <laughs> you are OCD. <laughs> And I think your wife, Yoli Davis, can attest to that. Yes. <laughs> but what, that can be a very positive thing. And it's certainly in my life, it has been a very positive thing. Well, certainly in your different careers of law, 
of real estate development, of investments and all that you do and your philanthropy and everything, you've, you don't let things overwhelm you. you. You stick to your system. And I've observed this when we'll be a house guest out in, out in Aspen and you're working away and burning the midnight oil, midnight oil and you're just getting it all done. Yeah, I, I've been blessed. Uh, a lot of people get stressed. I guess we all have stress to agree, but I've never felt uh, to be a person who suffered from stress. Um, I have a very calm demeanor. It's, it's, it's hard to get me angry. When I do get angry, it's not a pretty thing to see, but it's very rare. Uh, and um, uh, I, I, I let things go that I think would bother a lot of people. Um, uh, in many respects, that may have been a problem in my first marriage, quite frankly, is that uh, I was, I was um, not willing uh, to, to really tell my first wife exactly how I felt and the things that were bothering me. Uh, and in retrospect, that was probably a mistake. Um, because I don't, I try to avoid confrontations. Now in your business dealings and also in the, a lot of the work you do and everything, you told me you were profoundly influenced by uh, the book Principles by Ray Dalio. Well, part of it is, are things that I have always done in my life, uh, because one, one point that Dalio makes uh, is the importance of seeking out expertise in whatever it is that, because nobody knows everything. Uh, no matter how smart you are, you, you clearly can't know everything. And moreover, um, each of us has, have, uh, has blind spots. Uh, the hardest person to know is yourself. Um, ego gets in the way. Uh, it doesn't allow things to penetrate, uh, lessons to be learned that, because our ego blocks it. Uh, and uh, even if our ego wasn't blocking it, we just, it's, it's very hard for someone to understand themselves and all of the motivating factors that happen. So one of the points that, uh, that Dalio makes is always seek all of the possible information uh, and, uh, and rely on those people who have the most credibility in the field that you need that information for. And don't let your ego get in the way. Those are things that I've always believed in. Um, some of the things that Dalio does that, that I found particularly interesting, because it's not consistent with who I have been through my life, uh, is he believes in what he calls radical honesty uh, and radical transparency. Uh, and that is that uh, uh, in a non-insulting way, he just believes that you need to tell people exactly how you feel um, and be willing to, to talk to them about their shortcomings and their failings and, uh, um, uh, and do so in, in an honest way because to do anything other than that is really to do a disservice to the people that you're working with. Uh, although it's a very difficult thing because it's hard to tell somebody that they're doing things wrong or, do, or, or doing a lousy job on something, but he strongly believes in that. And, and, and uh, that's something I've actually tried to work on, um, is to be more willing, because as I had mentioned earlier, I have not been a person during my life that's sought out confrontations. I, I shy away from confrontations. There's 
a whole history, um, uh, which I'm, I'm happy to share if you're interested, and in how I believe I got there um, uh, from, uh, uh, from my own experience. But nevertheless, it's been something that has always bothered me, and I've wanted to be more assertive. Uh, and uh, just listening to Dalio and, and the logical arguments step by step, as you say, that he makes, and he goes on ad nauseum in terms of detail by detail and the reasons why things should well, be done this way. Let's take this one tool, because like when I wrote the book Ask for Tools, we're very into giving tools that can help. So give us the tool to be appropriately assertive. Let's put it like that. For me, the tool is to recognize that you are doing a favor to someone uh, by telling them the truth. Uh, and sometimes that can be painful, but it's better for someone to feel that pain and, and get a dose of true reality than to live in a fantasy world that's only going to hurt them in the long run. Um, so recognizing the logical wisdom of that position has helped me become more assertive and, and fight my, my, my wiring or my, my years of bad habits um, to do that, uh, but to try to do it in a positive way, not to be hurtful. That's not the goal. The, the goal is to get to the truth, whatever the truth is. Um, and Dalio goes on in a very systematic way to actually rate people, put them through batteries of all sorts of tests to try to understand where their blind spots are and where their strengths and weaknesses are. And tries, he tries to match up people's objective strengths and weaknesses and, and with I, the job that they have. And I think a corollary to that also is that if you're a leader of, say, an organization or a business or club, whatever, is to foster a culture where it's okay to disagree. We want people to disagree. If we have a better idea, it's good. Let's get it out there. Not in a nasty way or anything like that. But we do, we do try, especially around here. We've got a lot of different brains around here. and uh, I don't know how I would have been labeled. I got expelled in the first grade and the 10th grade and everything. But we're open to different ideas. And you, you have to have a culture where the best ideas get to the top, doesn't matter who said them. That is Dalio. He calls it the idea meritocracy. Uh, and that's all he's interested in. He, he doesn't care who gets the credit. He doesn't care if it's not his idea. He wants the best possible idea in search for, not that you can ever really probably find it, but as close as possible to ultimate truth. Very interesting. I listen to lectures all the time uh, in the morning when I walk. Today I'm listening to, of all things, the dialogues of Plato. And you, you, when you, listening to that lecturer, who was probably one of the best lecturers I've ever heard, but uh, he talks about Socrates, and, and Socrates' whole mission was to get to ultimate truth. And he did it through conversations. It's the only way you can test it. Dalio does the same thing. I hadn't made that connection until right now, but uh, Dalio is the new Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> and back when Socrates was around, they didn't have a printing press. Exactly. <laughs> uh, um, tell us about um, your daughter, Nicole, who's now in a, uh, a Broadway play, and her journey and some of the uh, 
things she had to overcome to get where she is. Uh, very interesting. Nicole, um, Nicole was always a, a very smart child, and um, she also liked singing. So she was in a choral group in high school, etc. Uh, and uh, actually was at Carnegie Hall with her choral group uh, she, when we lived in Florida. Uh, that was at um, uh, the Pinecrest School. Uh, and, um, but had never really shown an interest in acting. Uh, and in her senior year of high school, uh, she came home one night and said, no, she's going to try out for this school play. Um, the play happened to be Sound of Music. So it, it surprised my wife and I because she had never before expressed any interest in doing that. Um, and uh, two weeks later, she comes home and says that she's been cast as the lead. So she became Maria uh, in, in The Sound of Music. And um, we knew that she had a, a nice voice. Uh, so I guess the singing part didn't, uh, didn't surprise us. But the acting part was something that did surprise us. So she went, and, and my wife, whose name is, is Jolie, she went a few times to help Nicole get dressed. Uh, uh, and um, she kept coming home to me and says, Mark, you're not going to believe this, but Nicole is really terrific in this role. So we went uh, to the performance, uh, actually each of the performances, and, and both my wife and I were flabbergasted as to how this how old would she have been, 17-year-old kid, became a mother on stage. And uh, she, it, it was really an overwhelming experience to be able to see that. Uh, and we said, wow, she really has talent. And everyone was saying that she was very talented, et cetera. Uh, and uh, never forget the local paper I couldn't read the true local paper because it was in Spanish. That, that, that's one of my blind spots, is I've never been able to speak Spanish. But um, they did have an English language paper who did a, a review of this play. And, and in it, it said that Nicole Davis uh, um, uh, you know, had great talent. And we're going to see this uh, young lady on Broadway one day. And uh, anyway, she went on to, to uh, college. And she, again, didn't pursue the acting part. She went to a university that really didn't have a, an acting program. It had a theater program, but that was mostly the academic side of theater. And uh, she waffled in terms of what she wanted to do. She was a good student. She had interest in chemistry. She pr pursued that, didn't like that, and ultimately gravitated uh, to theater and became a theater major and, and was in a school play. Um, uh, but again, hadn't really expressed any interest. And then, in the I think it was the summer after she graduated college, she went into an acting program in New York. And for the first time, she really fell in love with acting, where it became not something that she was doing just to do it. It was, became a calling, uh, a, a, a true passion. And uh, we encouraged that. So she continued to do it. She acted in a couple of things. It always amazed me and my wife how quickly she could memorize uh, all of her lines. And uh, when I asked her a million times, she would say, that's the easiest part of acting. Shocks me. Um, 
but uh, she then um, went on uh, to Brown University uh, in a master's degree where she spent three years really learning how to, to act. Uh, and it, it, it just bubbles up within her. It, it's a passion. It's, it's, uh, it's such a beautiful thing to see. As, as I've said, actually, not long ago, um, uh, but many times, there are so few people in this world who actually really do in life what they love. Um, we're all stuck in, in doing things that, to make a dollar, to make a living, whatever, but most people really don't love what they do. And to be able to see someone like Nicole, who really loves what she does, uh, is, is a, a true joy. And there's, uh, so her journey was, it wasn't an easy straight line, but um, her talent has made it easier. Uh, most people get rejected, and Nicole has had her share of rejection, but for someone so young in her career to be on Broadway already, uh, and uh, she, she has a, a role in a play called Network with Brian Cranston and Tony Goldwyn, um, uh, which in and of itself is great, but she was also, in addition to her nightly role, she's also the understudy to the lead actress, who, um, I shouldn't say this, but thankfully got sick, uh, and Nicole was able to step into the lead uh, for five performances. Um, we saw as many of those as we could get to see because uh, the, we didn't even know we were in Miami, she was in New York, and we didn't even know that she was going to go on until virtually uh, three hours before she had to do it. That to me is, is maybe the most staggering thing of all. I mean, imagine getting three hours of notice of having to step into the lead role in a Broadway play uh, without having done it before. Yeah. An overwhelming experience. And, uh, but um, she just loves it. She's very good at it. Uh, she's going places, even though she's my daughter. She's going to be a big star, and it's be a great piece of trivia I'll always have that she had a small part in our movie The Square Root of Two, starring Darby Stansfield from Scandal. And what a coincidence that now she's on Broadway and Tony Good, Tony Goldwyn is in there too, along with Brian Cranston, and she's going to be a big star, big star. We think so, and so do so do the the fellow actors who we got to meet. We spent some time with Tony Goldwyn as well. What is the biggest piece of advice you would have for somebody who's getting overwhelmed with too many tasks, and they can't seem to get things organized, and uh, each day goes on and they think this is the day they'll get over the, the hump and they don't. And at the end of the day, they still have a, a million flagged emails and a bunch in their project list they, that's in disorder. What, what's your recommendation? Well, well, I'll tell you what works for me. Um, I will very regularly make my to-do lists uh, and try to list them in, in relative uh, levels of importance of what needs to get done by when. And then I get started on something and I will not stop till it's finished. Uh, and then you move on to the next thing. And 
you will find, at least I have found, that that is the, the way out. Uh, the, the problem is when you have this sense of being overwhelmed, it's to get a sense of what really you have to get done and making that, those to-do lists and then following them uh, in order is, is, uh, has always worked for me. It, it eliminates that sense of being overwhelmed. I know exactly what I need to do uh, and uh, which ones I need to do first. Um, uh, the other thing is don't touch a piece of paper more than once. If, if an email comes in and it requires an action, don't let it get buried in your inbox. Address it, deal with it, erase it, and move on. Um, and uh, uh, when you allow things to pile up, uh, it, it can also give you the sense of being overwhelmed. Sometimes I've had to work, uh, as I did in law school, 24 hours, work till 4, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. But that sense of, of having accomplished that, whatever it was that I needed to get done, is, uh, uh, is at least for me something that, that brings me a lot of pleasure. Not a lot of sleep, but a lot of pleasure. <laughs> well, on that sleepless note, we're going to uh, thank you for being here today, Mark. It was great. Hope to have you back again. And thanks so much. And we hope that uh, Nicole goes on to be bigger and better things. And, uh, and uh, I'm sure based on everything we see now, she's going to be a big star. That's the one thing I'm most confident of. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.